I am very excited this morning to welcome up my favourite person on planet Earth. For those that don't know her, this is my wife Esther. <laughs> yes, I did well as well. <laughs> um, and we're really excited about what you're here to share this morning. So shall I pray for you? Excellent. Uh, the handbag, by the way, is just because it's carrying the microphone thing. So uh, it's not some weird... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, Lord, for the word you have put on Esther's heart. Um, thank you that she has drawn close to you, Lord, to hear your voice. And, Lord, as she speaks, um, I just ask, Lord, that your spirit would guide her, that every word that is intended to land on our hearts, Lord, comes out of her mouth. And anything which is not is just silenced, Lord. Open our hearts, open our, our minds, and open our spirits, Father, to hear these words. And they fall on soft hearts, on, um, on fertile ground, Lord, and that we would be, we'd be changed, we'd be moved, Lord, by the words that she's here to bring this morning. Amen. Well, um, I was absolutely overjoyed to have Mark and Cheryl back with us this morning. I was, um, yeah, I was absolutely celebrating, and then I suddenly thought, oh no, it's me! <laughs> so my already quite high stress levels went, whoo! <laughs> so yeah, um, but it's really wonderful to have you back here this morning. Um, so, um, when I wrote in my diary that I was um, kind of on this morning, I wrote preach slash share. And I, um, there's a lot of wisdom in this room, there's a lot of study that's been done, and I, I never want to pretend that I'm teaching people to suck eggs, because I know that people have done a, you know, a, a longer walk with Jesus than I have, and they've studied longer than I have. So I always say that what I'm doing is I'm sharing. I'm sharing what God's given me, for me, and hopefully it will also... Um, help you as well and be relevant to you. But when I'd written in my diary, I'd written preach slash share, and it looked like preach, and I was like, why have I written preach slash snore? And I was like, oh no, that's not good, is it? Anyway, I'm going to start by telling a little story, um, because this was one of the ways that um, I felt the Holy Spirit sort of cement to me what I was meant to talk about this morning, and it kind of, I was a bit lighthearted, and it made, it made me smile anyway, so... Um, a few weeks ago during half-term, um, the boys had bought this game called Horseshoes, and um, it's basically this plastic posts that you stick in your grass and it comes with four little hoops and you stand at one one rod and you kind of throw these hoops and you're meant to get them over this rod on the other side and uh, it's a lot harder than it looks um anyway so the children and i for some reason we just played this game all holiday and you know um and it came to the sort of the second weekend and we got paul involved and we had a game of parents versus children horseshoes throwing these things and um, anyway, I'd been playing it most of half term with the children. So by this point, I was quite good. Paul, however, and also he hasn't got a competitive bone in his body. We're sort of standing there, it's like, oh, you know, they're just going. And eventually, um, we were 4-1 up, and I had scored all of these hoops on our team, team parents. Um, and it was first to five, so 4-1. And um, Jacob said to Paul, Dad, you need to up your game. Your wife is carrying you. And I, yeah. It was strategic genius, because after that, I was laughing so much that I was missing all the time as well. Um, so anyway, hold that thought. But um, a few weeks ago, Olive um, preached on how um, of ourselves, we can only get so far. Um, but we really, we all know this, don't we? We do know that without God, it's, you know, it's never enough, is it? We, we just, it's never enough. We, we need the Holy Spirit. Um, and Bob also spoke about... Um, using us, how we are used for signs and wonders and the reasons for that. And I wanted to carry on exploring this picture of us, normal people, 
um, working with God, this collaboration, this co-working, um, him with us, us with him, him in us, us in him. And um, I, I wanted to ask um, some slightly controversial questions as well. Um, so in addition to us needing God, does God also need us to fulfill his purposes here on earth? And if he does need us, do we need to up our game? And as I say, this is really what God's speaking to me. So, um, you know, if this is a bit heavy for you this morning, we'll, we'll come back to that. But, um, and I also want to caveat this by saying, you know, God is all-powerful. We know that, don't we? Um, he upholds all things by the word of his power. If he wanted to do, he could do whatever he wants. But he has set a certain order, certain spiritual laws in place. And I think it's because he wants to work with us. He made us in his image to be like him, to work with him. So going back to um, this horseshoes game, Dad, um, up your game, your wife is carrying you. Um, apart from anything else, I thought it was quite interesting because um, he, the way he sort of said, your wife is carrying you rather than mum is carrying you. And um, anyway, Paul, I should redeem Paul in this. He actually got the fifth the fifth uh, hoop, hoop, so we won. So parents, you know, when your children are three, you have to let them win. But when they're 11 and 14, you have to beat them, you know. Or you just have to try, you know. They don't want to just feel like you're not trying. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I'd been really meditating on this um, picture of the marriage partnership. And it was um, really, really lovely to pray for Tom and Nora this morning. I'm really passionate about marriage. And um, the enemy's done a really good job of attacking it. And it's, um, it's because it's um, a picture, it's sort of like analogous to our relationship with Jesus. And I know the bride is, the, sorry, the church is the bride of Christ, but it is still like analogous to our relationship with Jesus. And um, it's, it's, the, it's the covenant relationship. Marriage um, is a covenant relationship. You know, two men become one, uh, sorry, a man and a woman become one flesh in the sight of God. It is a covenant. And the world, the secular world, wants to make it a contract. And it's not. And they're trying to make it something it's not. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And, um, you know, the only other covenant relationship we have as individuals is with Jesus. So um, thinking about um, our own marriage and um, this covenant relationship that we've got, we've been married for um, 19 years. And... um, We've been through um, some really tough patches, and especially um, for me, I um, had a very, very long time of some very debilitating physical illness, and, um, you know, Paul really carried me in that, and um, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, he is the sort of stronger partner in our relationship, Um, but I think he'd also be the first person to say that... um, even at my weakest, lowest points, um, he, he needed me too. And, um, you know, sort of there are days when you think, what does this look like to the outside world? But, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really, it doesn't really matter what it looks like to the outside world in the sense that um, you know that you are working together and you're like this, this team and you actually become like one, one person. And... Um, uh, the Bible uses the word yoked because you're this team working together. And the only um, other time, um, the other sorry, the other relationship that um, is described as yoked is our relationship with Jesus, and it's um, Him describing walking with Him. So um, let's look together at um, Matthew 11:28. Um, 
do look it up. I, do you know, I love the sound of people opening Bibles and turning the leaves of Bibles. I think it's really lovely, and I think it's really powerful, actually, spiritual power. I've got my, I'm actually going to put this down because it's getting in my way, but I've um, got my Bible verses in my notes. But, um, so that's Matthew 11:28, and this is Jesus talking. And he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, now, Jesus' listeners would have understood that yoking was what you did to two animals in the field, usually oxen. Um, they were joined by this single piece of wood that was carved, like holes for their necks. And um, you actually, you didn't put two similar oxen together. You, took, you usually took one older, uh, more experienced, stronger ox that would lead and teach and train the younger ox, and it would actually carry most of the load, but not all of the load. And it's a really beautiful passage about bringing our burdens to him. And, you know, if this morning you're weary and you're heavy laden, um, you know, this just almost like rest in that bit. This is peace and rest for our souls, he says. He is shouldering your heaviest weight. Maybe that, maybe that is all you need to, to hear this morning. I have been there. I've been there when... Um, you know, people have said things like, I just want to challenge you this morning. And I just like, I don't, I can't be challenged right now. I'm exhausted. I'm not in the right place to be challenged. So, you know, if that is you, I, I, I have been there and I totally understand. So um, just, you know, maybe just rest there. Maybe that's what the snoring was in my diary. Maybe you can like have a little snore now or, or you know, stay, stay with us a bit. But yeah, so I, I don't want to, anyone to go away feeling like burdened by this, but actually some of the things that we've seen this morning have really confirmed to me that um, you know, I'm heading in the right direction with this. I, I pray I am. Um, but anyway, looking at this picture of being yoked, just want to ask a question of ourselves. Um, are these, um, is this a picture of work or is it a picture of leisure time? Is it chill time, as my kids call it? Um, and obviously, they're plowing a field. They are working. They're working side by side. It's a picture of life. They are, like me and Paul, working side by side. And um, it's not um, a sleigh. It's not like someone shouting giddy up, you know, in the carriage or whatever. It's two people side by side. It's partnership in work and life. And we have to be real with ourselves that life is work, isn't it? Like, people put this stuff on Instagram as if everything's unicorns and rainbows. And, you know, it's not is it? Um, it can be really hard work. And Jesus was really serious about this. And he said, in this life, you will have trials and troubles. If you want a Bible first, that's John 16, verse 33. Um, Romans 8, Paul talks about, in all things, we're more than conquerors. And we like that bit. But the bit before it's talking about tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. You know, this is tough stuff. And I don't always want, I don't always want to read those bits, you know. And I heard, um, I'm a big fan of the Beveres, their family. And one of their sons was talking recently about um, when people just want to read the millennium standard version, you know, the millennial standard version. Um, you know, we can't. We have to read the whole thing. And um, uh, there are um, times in life where it's, it's hard. And, you know, um, you'll, even when it's not hard, actually, you kind of got this keeping on, keeping on thing. And I can't remember if that was my grandma who used to use that expression, or I think it might have been Martin Luther King. But, um, you know, we, we keep on keeping on. And... Um, the second thing that people at the time would have understood about this imagery of the yoke is that it had really strong connotations of submission and subjection and humility. Um, and um, 
actually, the ones for the oxen were hand-carved to be comfortable. And Jesus does say, my yoke is easy. Um, but there is still a sense of humbling and submission, service, servitude, words that we don't always like today. Um, people don't always want to be tied down. They don't want to be humbled before something. They don't want to serve. Um, but a bit more controversy for, controversy for you. Um, I don't think you get to choose uh, whether or not you're yoked to something. I think you just get to choose what you're yoked to. And I see other people serving lots of other idols, yoked to all sorts of other things. Um, I've got a not exhaustive list. Alcohol, drugs, gambling, porn, um, the pride of life, people's you know, chasing after money and careers and cars and overachieving their kids and everything. What else? Uh, body image, extremes of exercise, diet, physical and mental illness, adherence to strict religious laws. This was probably a main bondage for people at the time. Um, in the book of Galatians, Paul talks about the law as a yoke of slavery, but it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, going back to my list, obviously some of those are just in themselves. You know, they are a form of bondage. But there, are, there is nothing wrong with having a nice house or cars or whatever. It's about what your main focus is. What is your idol in your life? What are you yoked to? What are you serving in your heart? And, um, you know, whatever those things are in that list you're going to labor very hard under them or for them. And Jesus is offering an exchange, this yoke of freedom and peace um, in exchange for those, those burdens and that weariness. And I've, I've, I've made a little list here as well. It's the exchange that Jesus came for um, and paid for at the cross. Death for life, bondage for freedom, anxiety for peace, carnal flesh for Holy Spirit, law for grace. You know, this goes on and on. And all of these things... There is just no question about whether they are freeing, freedom um, from, and freedom to. And the best news is that we're not asked to be yoked. I know the picture is of Ox, but we're not um, asked to be yoked for this life of drudgery. I know I said life is a bit kind of, you know, it can feel like that at times. But even when um, things are tough, we know we're not yoked um, for, like I say, for drudgery. We're yoked to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Um, and he wants us to partner with him in this supernatural covenant. Actually, you know, a different kingdom. Um, and he's, he wants to bring us peace while he's doing that. But he wants us to play a role in bringing heaven down to earth. And um, he's in it with us on the day-to-day, -day, the kitchen sink, the commute to work stuff. But he is inviting us to participate in a supernatural kingdom relationship um, so in this picture, we're not being carried, we're not being dragged, we're not passive, but we do depend on him. We, we know we're the weaker party, um, and we, I, we're all humble enough, aren't we, to realize, you know, he, he, is, he should lead us. We, we don't want to lead him. Um, there's no question about it. Um, but going back to my original question, does the stronger ox need his partner? Um, well, can it achieve more with a partner, even if it is weaker? Surely, surely it can. Um, even if that part, stronger partner is the maker of heaven and earth and the weaker person is just me, yeah, actually. And it's really controversial, isn't it? Um, but um, this was the way God made it to be. He says in, in Genesis 1, 28, 
Um, it says, God made Adam and Eve in his own image and told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. He gave them authority, but he wanted to walk and talk with them in the cool of the evening. And this was the picture, the original design, like plan A, God and man, man made in God's image, walking together. So have we underestimated our role in joining with the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's purposes? Do we need, as my Jacob put it, to up our game? Actually, it was really interesting. I was listening to Sarah's preach from um, last week in my car, and she uses the expression suddenly at one point, up. Do we need to up our game? And I was like, oh, oh, you know, like nearly ran off the road. Oh, that's what I was, that's what I'm going to talk about. I, I love it when God slips these, slips these things in, and you know in your heart that it's just like dropping things in to sort of confirm things to you. Um, uh, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, uh, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, highlighted in my notes, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without um, end. Amen. So whose is the power? His. Who is the power working through and in? Us. So what does this mean at a practical level? How do we co-labor more effectively with Jesus? It's about the everyday, isn't it? It's about the boring bits and the exciting bits. It's about listening to him and learning from him, leaning on him. It's about abiding in him. It's about being yoked. Jesus says in John 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Doesn't that sound familiar? I just want to encourage you that I see a lot of you already doing this stuff. You, um, you're teaching your kids, God's ways. You take the Holy Spirit into work with you. You're studying the word in the week, not just when you come to church. Um, you're stacking chairs. You're helping kids' church. You're working people on the door. You're tithing so that we can rent this building and buy equipment and pay staff. This is all co-laboring with Jesus. Um, some of you are amazing at evangelizing. I'm actually not. I'm not a very good evangelist. Kirsty is an amazing evangelist. She says she can't help but tell people of the goodness of God. And she, she tells, I mean, we, we should really hear some more of your testimonies, actually, Kirsty. But the demonic strongholds that are being broken down through her are just amazing. Um, what else are you guys doing? You're um, setting up kids groups in your local communities. Um, that's Dee who's doing that. I don't even know if people know that. Again, people are coming to know Jesus through these groups. I mean, this is serious co-laboring with Jesus. And we should really be celebrating these things. And I just say, well done, good and faithful servants. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Isn't that what we all want to hear? Um, so speaking practically and trying to be really real about this, you know, we've all got our different gifts and we kind of need to work with whatever we've, we've got, whatever we've been given. And sometimes it's really tempting to think that what I've got is too small, um, it's unimportant, um, it's not as good as so-and-so's gifts or experience or wealth or talents, whatever it is. But um, Bob gave really good advice when he preached. He said, you have to um, ask in your heart what excites you and practice these things. And I think that practicing these things is really important as well. You know, if God's given you a gift or if you've got a gift of something, you don't practice it. One of my kids is amazing at the piano, but if he didn't practice it, he wouldn't get as far as he's got. You know, you have to like exercise these things. Like 
going to the gym. You know, you have to exercise these things if you want them to, to, to get bigger, better, stronger. Um, so whatever your gift is, you know, maybe you're like Kirsten, you're amazing at evangelizing. Perhaps you're great at worship or dancing or singing or kids' work, whatever it is. You know, can I just encourage you to really stir it up in yourself and, and, and use it because God needs us to co-labor with him. And you know in your flesh you're not enough. We know we're weak. We know it's his strength. We know we are the weaker partner in this yoking. But the point is, whatever you have, however little it is, you have, we have to be willing to surrender it to Jesus, and he will use whatever it is. So sort of, I think I've written here, asking myself every day, what are my loaves and fishes? What's my bit of leftover oil? Here, have it. What, what can you do with it? And it's, it's that first step. He, he multiplies when we give him something, however small it is. Um, now, the final thing that I want to kind of focus on a little bit is um, very, the, the, the main way almost that we co-labor with Jesus is to be his, his mouthpiece. And um, I don't know about you, but I have never actually heard the audible voice of God. Who has heard the audible voice of God? Yeah, not, not very many people. Um, but... We, I think most of us put our hands up and say, have, have we heard God speak to them in their hearts? Most people say, yeah, you've heard God. Yeah, it's a still small voice. Um, but how many times have we heard God speak to us through other people? I mean, how did you become a Christian in the first place? Um, you know, someone had to have preached the gospel to you, raised you in a Christian home, something. Someone had to have spoken to you. Um, Romans 10, 14 says, how shall they believe in him who have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We need, we need a mouthpiece. But um, being a mouthpiece for God is not just about evangelizing more controversy. I think, do you remember Mark used to be like, oh, another controversial point. It's like, going back to the controversy. Um, and I, I would say that we are all prophets with a lowercase p in our lives. I think whether you want to or like it or not, you're actually speaking into your life and the lives of those around you. Um, you. You believe something in your heart, you speak it out, and you're issuing like, this creative force. There was um, a woman at the um, swimming pool, the gym where I go, and I'm an older lady, and she was talking about going on a cruise. And um, she said, um, I've not booked anything yet. I've not decided where I'm going. I don't even know who I might go with, but I'm starting to talk about it because I know that if I talk about it, it will happen. And I was like, whoa, lady, I just want to turn around and say, you have got some serious spiritual revelation there. And if everyone realized that, and if we were careful with it, you know, what could be done? Um, so, um, you know, this, again, I'll give you some Bible verses so you're not just making this stuff up. But life and death are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18:21. It's probably um, our most powerful spiritual weapon, um, our tongue. How much more so when it's his words coming out of us? John Bevere, who's, I just love, I love the Beveres. Um, actually, incidentally, if um, there is an amazing app called Messenger X, which I just heartily recommend. And the Bevere family have got so much resource on this app. It's an absolute goldmine. So Messenger X, if, you, if you're interested in the Beveres. But John Bevere describes spirits as surfers who surf on our words. And I totally agree. When you speak, we're either empowering heaven or empowering the enemy. And your words set a spiritual atmosphere. 
It was the original design. It was how God spoke the world into being, and he did give us dominion throughout, you know, from, from the word go. And throughout the Old Testament, in order to fulfill his promises, each time he wanted action, he went around finding a mouthpiece. And it usually, those people knew they weren't good enough. None of us is good enough. Everyone's always known they're not good enough to, to do this stuff. And, and people argued with God. And we, you look at someone like Jeremiah, and he said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. And God, well, you're speaking right now, you know. And um, God says, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to say. And God touches Jeremiah's mouth and says, I have put my words in your mouth. Moses also argued with God in Exodus 4.10. He says, I'm not a man of words. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. People thought maybe he had a stutter or something. Pharaoh won't listen to me. Um, God says, who's made a man's mouth? Go and I'll be with you and will teach you what you shall say. And Moses begs God to send someone else until the anger of the Lord blazed against Moses. Would God be angry if he didn't need a willing person to go and speak his words? Abraham had his name changed from Abram to Abraham. And God basically commanded him to go round calling himself, I'm father of many, I'm father of many, before he had any children. And he was really old. And I mean, you know, how awful must that have been for Abraham? But actually, you know, it was the power of his tongue, the power of the word of God through Abraham. On the flip side, Zechariah, who was a priest, who was told by an angel in the Holy of Holies, you'd think you'd be like, oh, I've, I've definitely heard from God here, you know. He's told that he's going to have a son. Um, but he's, he doubts it so much that he gets struck dumb so that he can't speak until the baby's born, so that he cannot undo the promise of God. Your tongue is a really powerful weapon. Um, the power was his the words were, f were from him too, but they came through humans' mouths. The words release the power. And for me, it's like the image of if you've got your garden hose and you've turned it on at the tap, and it's all like, you know, bursting into your hose, but you don't twist the nozzle on the end. You're standing there with this hose, and it's not doing anything. You have to twist your nozzle on the end, and it's like your mouth releases um, this, um, this power so, um, yeah, the words without the power will only get us so far, but the power without the mouthpiece is also subject to limitations. Um, the beginning of Hebrews talks about how in old times God spoke through his prophets, but now he's spoken through his son to us all. Now, obviously, we have to be careful with this. I'm not, I'm not talking about prophecy with a capital P where someone says, this is a really nice one, Roger. God's told me you need to go to Barbados and, you know, sunbathe and stuff. You know, yeah, we'd all love that one. Or, like, you get worse ones, don't you? Someone telling you, like, oh, I really don't want to go there. Um, but um, I think God uses very few people for that and very people who have to be very, very discerning about it. And I actually think God speaks to you first and uses those people to confirm things to you. I think if someone comes to you and says, God's told me you need to do X, Y, Z, and you're like, that does not feel right to me then it probably is not right for you. Um, uh, so um, I'm not saying that we never admit to having some problems. That's just not real either. Um, obviously, we all have challenges. And it's, uh, Andrew Womack talks about it's where you put your butt. So like, I've got this, but, got, you know, but, you know. So it's not about, oh, yeah, I'm absolutely hunky-dory. 
well, actually, I'm not. You know, um, you, you, you can still be real in life, but you still have to be sort of aware of, of what we're professing. So I'm talking about setting a spiritual atmosphere, agreeing with what God says in his word, speaking to our problems about God and not always speaking to God about our problems. Um, or worse, speaking to lots and lots of people about our problems and digging up our prayers. So, you know, you, perhaps we come forward and we go, oh, I've got a bad knee, pray for my bad knee. And, oh, yeah, great. And then I go, I'm like, oh, but, you know, my parents, they both had problems with their knees. And, well, the doctor said this. And, oh, the, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, well, you've just, you've just undone so much of what you've just received. So we have just be really careful with this stuff. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, my knee's absolutely great if it's not. But also, let's not like dig up you know, the words that we have had spoken over it. It's about speaking faith, not fear, isn't it? And life and not death. And Bob said something um, a few years ago, which really hit home to me. And he said, fear, I think, I, I, did you get some, uh, Gary Bussey, I'm sorry, I've not even said it yet, asking you where you got it from. But he, you said, fear is the dark room where the devil develops his negatives. Was that from someone called Gary Bussey? I was trying to find where it was from, but you'd said it was from somewhere. Anyway, the fear is the dark room where the devil develops his negatives. How does he know our fears? He's listening to us. I feel like the Christian walk is one where you have to keep lots of things in a healthy tension. You know, like for example, we really need grace, and we know, you know, we can't earn salvation. You can try and keep those 600 and whatever laws, and if you fail in one, you failed in all. Uh, we, we do really need it, but there's also this understanding that um, we don't want to fall the other side into like this, the consequences of permissiveness. Um, so we sort of Yes, it's, it's great that we don't need to do anything to earn God's love, but that doesn't mean that we just go off and do whatever we want because there are still consequences. Um, and this picture of being yoked with Jesus is, um, to me, a really good way of remembering that, that that balance that God wants for us, where you can't kind of go too far off because you're joined with him. Um, and, um, and he's saying, depend on me, learn from me, follow me. You're not going to achieve much without me, but work with me. Work alongside me. Bring what you've got and um, use what I've given you, and you will find rest for your soul, and more importantly, almost, you will bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I really want to see. Um, so I don't know how long I've been, um, but we had quite a lot of testimonies at the beginning, so I actually really wanted to um, invite people to respond to this and if you want prayer to come forward so if like me you're wondering if you kind of need to up your game and listen to God and oh what's going on whoa um yeah uh, if you're sitting there wondering what you've actually got to offer what are your loaves and fishes and you're you're not sure what God's asking you to use or do or speak come come forward and we'll stand with you and and ask God together um and if you, um, you know um, that you're in bondage to something, you're yoked to something other than him first, um, also please, please come forward. We want to see you set free from that and, and stand with you. Um, or if you've never actually said, I want you to, to, be, my, to be my Lord and Savior, please, please come forward. And if you want to say, yeah, I want to be led by Jesus um, yoked with him in this covenant relationship um again come forward i really i really want to pray for you is there any 
Um, anyone who's happy to come and pray? I didn't actually ask before. Roger, are you happy to come and pray for people? Um, Joyce, will you come and pray for people if anyone wants to respond? Hmm? Bob, yeah, Bob and Eileen, would you mind coming to pray for people? Other people, but you stand if, if any of that applies to you um, and, um, and start coming forward. Hmm? Oh, Annette. Annette, are you still here? Is Annette here? Would you mind? Are you out of... Yeah. Why don't we all stand? Um, yeah, yeah. Ollis asked me to. So, um, yeah, if, like me, you feel um, like you need to up your game um, or, or if you're wondering what you've actually got to offer what your loaves and fishes are, um, what God's asking you to use to do or to speak. We'd, we'd love to pray for you. Um, if you're in bondage to something other than him, yoked to something other than him, something that you're burdened by, weary of, um, please come forward. Um, and if you've, you've never committed yourself to being led by Jesus, to being yoked with him, then definitely please Please, if you don't want to come forward, then please at least tell somebody so that we can pray with you. Thank you, Lord, that when we are yoked to you, our burden is easy. It's amazing, Lord, that you, you choose, you want to be yoked to us, Lord. That you know all of our own failings, our weaknesses, our insecurities. But you've carved that yoke specifically for our shoulders, Lord. So that our burden is easy. So, Lord, where we've refused or shied away from taking on that yoke, taking on that burden, Lord, we just repent of that now. And we say this world works better when we're yoked to you, when we're alongside you, Lord. Mm. Because if we do this by ourselves... We're just going to get weary. We're just going to get tired. We're going to mm. go in the wrong direction. Mm. But you know where you're going. You know the terrain over which we're called to go. You know when we need to go steady and when we need to go fast. So we choose, Lord, now to be yoked alongside you. And thank you, Lord, that it's in that side-by-side -side walk, Lord, that we, every day side-by-side -side walk, that we develop that friendship with you, that intimacy with you as you share your experience with us, and teach us, coach us. When we need it, Lord, take the load off our shoulders, but also to grow us, Lord. Thank you, Lord.